all about not being perfect, right? Just take the lights, for example. We go crazy. That's like my attitude, though. If you know anything about me, the lights is me. Like, that's how crazy I am. That's how much I love it. So, again, Mosaic Church, it is so awesome to see you guys, man. Isn't God good? Come on, right? Like, isn't God good, man? We can dive into an amazing worship time. And can we just make some noise for the worship team one time, man? Just bringing us in to a worship-filled atmosphere Honestly, y'all, I am so thankful to be here today, man. Today is a new day, a beautiful fall day. It's the day the Lord has made. We will choose to be glad in it. Amen. Amen. So, again, before we start, um, I want to do something real fast. I want to recognize somebody real quick. Um, Just someone who's been an inspiration to me, a role model to me and my family. Uh, Someone who has nothing but love for this church and all who are in it, whether you are new or this this has been your 150th time. Someone who works harder than we know. Um, and that deserves a lot more appreciation than maybe they get. It's actually uh, Pastor Appreciation Month. I don't know if you know that was a thing. I'm pretty sure pastors just made it, right? Like, it's like a thing. But it's Pastor's Appreciation Month. So, Eric, I'm actually having you come back up here. And as you do, can you all just make some noise, man? Just give some love to your pastor. He has been through a lot, doing a bunch for this church. And uh, we want to appreciate you. And so uh, I know you just got a new workspace, and uh, the only sin of our pastor is he's a Seahawk fan. But uh, we're, we got you a little something, something here just to say again, thank you for doing what you do. We love you, and we appreciate you, bro, for real. No, I bought it. I bought it, bro, with my money. Where did you think I stole it from? <laughs> like, What? Oh, my goodness. No, Eric, honestly, thank you just for being you. We love you and your family so much and all that you guys do in this world and for this church. You guys are absolute kingdom builders, and it's amazing. I'm so excited to be here today. Uh, For those who don't know who I am, my name is Josh Olson. I'm the youth pastor here, and, uh, man, I just love this church, man. I love this church so much. Uh, I want to introduce my beautiful wife and two kids, my wife, Anna, and my son, Paxton, and our newborn child, Kinsley. Uh, Man, it is just a picture-perfect family. Come on, y'all. Like, things have been really good. Uh, Paxton's three and and Kinsley's two, and uh, it's been, or two months old, and uh, it's just been an amazing time. Yeah, she's not two yet. We're going to figure that out later. Um, I'm a pastor's kid. I'm a missionary's kid, and I'm about as weird as they come, okay? So we're going to have fun today. I'm excited to be here. I hope you guys are too. Again, I never want you guys to feel like this is a moment where you just have to, like, sit back and, like, really listen. Like, of course, I want you all to listen, but engage with me during this time, okay? Don't let this stage or this different elevation change the fact that we all need to hear what God has for us today, man. It's not, there's no separation. I don't have it all figured out, but I am excited to share the word with you guys today. A little bit more about me. More importantly, I am obsessed with God. We got any God lovers out there? Come on, man. Like, this is why we're here. It's all about it. And I I feel like I want to say that, though, because I feel like we live in a world that is loud about a lot of things. And we're not as loud as we maybe should be about Jesus Christ. I just feel like in this world, there's so many other noises that can kind of tone out that. And I love these moments to be prideful and excited about who God is. I believe that he's real. He's alive. He's not just a way. He's the only way. He's not. He's the real truth. And he is the best life. He has changed my life. And I'm excited to share some of that with you guys today. I love seeing God move. As I mentioned earlier, when during this worship time, I believe that God is here. He's moving already in this place. He's been moving at at your homes, in your lives throughout the week. This is just an opportunity for us to come together and dive in together as a family. As you guys can see, as I mentioned earlier, I'm a very passionate person. I have a lot of energy. So again, 
hang out with me today, okay? Don't let me talk at you. Talk with me. You know, we're going to have a conversation as we dive in to what the Lord has for us today, okay? Especially if I say jokes, give me a pity laugh throughout the day. That would be awesome. Thank you, Ethan. All right, so we're going to dive into the Bible. Um, we're going to go into the scripture that I just feel like the Lord has put on my heart. Um, if you could just turn to Luke 19. Turn to Luke 19. If you don't have your Bibles, totally okay. We have it on the screens behind us. Luke 19, starting in verse 1. You know, real quick as we were turning there and get ready to dive in, I love the Bible so much. I believe that it's not just a book or a bunch of random words or stories. This is truly God's breathe, like breath. He has breathed these words into this Bible. It's something we need to dive into more. Everything in here is on purpose, and it's to change your life. So I want to dive in, and y'all can just follow along as we dive into the word today. So Luke 19, verse 1, says, Jesus, someone say, Jesus. Okay, good, we're alive. Okay, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man there by the name of Zacchaeus was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree just to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. You're looking like a fool, but I got to stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him in gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter. They said, he's gone to be a guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus then stood up and said, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor. And if I've ever cheated anybody out of anything, I will give back four times the amount. Verse 9 says, Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is the son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Would you guys pray with me? God, we thank you so much for today. Lord, we thank you for this time that we can just take a moment, a few, to just dive into what you have today. God, throughout our busy weeks, our busy agendas, and all the stuff that's going on at home or at work, God, we ask that we just let that go for right now. God, more so we just ask we give that to you. Lord, we say have your way in this place. Holy Spirit, move through each of our lives, through our hearts. Let us dive in and tap into what you have for us today. Lord, we're thankful that Kirk Cousins finally figured out how to throw the football because the Vikings are your team. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said amen. Everybody said amen. Got to throw it in there where you can. Anybody else in here not always get along with your siblings growing up? Not, not the biggest. If you do have siblings and you haven't got, if you have got along with them, let me know how to get that down. But I, I don't know if maybe you have never always got along with your family members or your siblings specifically. I was adopted when I was two days old into an amazing but very different family. There's actually a picture of us. This is one of those awkward family pictures, you know. Um, this is my wonderful family. You can see there's definitely an adoption that happened here. Um, we, we love them so much, but they are very, very different. Um, they're very composed and proper type, like very, very composed and proper. My dad is, is a pastoral major. He's an English major. Like he's like, you're very like uptight, gra grammatically perfect person, okay? And my mom, she is too. Um, my wife, you know exactly what I'm talking about. They're just, they're amazing, but they're different. And honestly, I don't think there is any two people more different in the whole world than my older brother Ben and myself. I mean, if you were just to crop out my mom and dad, like, it'd be like, what is going on? Like, what is, what is going on? Honestly, my brother Ben, he is amazing. I love him so much, but he is so different. Like, we're just opposite people. And I remember my first fight with my brother. 
This is church. You can't judge me, okay? But this is my first fight with my brother. I was about four or five years old. And even as you can tell in this picture, um, my brother's older than me. He's actually eight years older than me. But back then, I didn't see that age was, was an issue, so I was going to fight no matter what, right? So um, he's a man of very few words, and as, as I mentioned, again, we're very different. Um, he's always been bigger and stronger. Uh, it's weird. He's, one, he's a very quiet guy, but he's very strong. But it's like this weird strength. It's like supernatural strength that comes out of nowhere. Uh, but he, he, again, it was just a little bit different, all right? And so for me, I was the type of person, I've, I was not always that big. I was never always that strong. Um, and so I would just break people down with words. That was my gift, right? Like, that was what I did. I would just get in your brain and mess you up, all right? It's not, it's not good, okay? Don't judge me. Again, I'm just saying. So that's how we used to fight, all right? So I remember one time we got into it. Like, this was, this was, it was a big one. And I don't remember what it was exactly. It was probably about who was supposed to do dishes or what was actually supposed to go on that night. And we, we just went at it, all right? And I remember I was just lighting him up, like just thing after thing after thing, just saying all these words. And again, my brother, a man of very few words, was just standing there just taking it. And that really bothered me because I wanted a response, right? But he was just stone cold, just like, Ben, do you hear what I'm saying here? Blah, 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 whatever. I don't remember what I was saying, but I just remember I was just like breaking him down, trying to rile him up or whatever. And so he's just standing there. No joke. This is a true story. He's just standing there just letting me talk. And I was getting really upset because, like, why are you not engaging in this argument? So my five, four-year-old four mind decided this was the time to go grab a decor rock in our house, which, side note, what's decor about rocks? Like, I don't understand how you have just a rock. We used to have just a random decor in our, like, a picture, I get it. But we had, like, one of these, like, rocks just chilling, like, on a table. Like, what is going on? So, again, in my mind, I was like, well, if you're not going to respond to me, you know, saying words to you, we're going to, you know, take it up, up a level, right? So I grabbed this rock, and I just David and Goliath this thing at my brother. Like, it was just like, boosh. And, again, my brother's just standing there, just bounces off his chest and just stands stone cold. I was like, uh-oh, because then I start seeing him shake. And he starts, well, I was like, uh-oh, what's going to happen? You know when you do something, you're like, that was a bad idea. Like, maybe I shouldn't do this. No, right? And so all of a sudden, my brother sees red. And this is what my brother says to me. I remember that to this day. My brother finally opens his mouth and shouted, well, guess what, Josh? You're adopted. Right? Yeah, feel bad for me. Don't worry about what I was saying to him before. But uh, that was where it got real. And I remember in that moment, like, you could hear a pin drop. Because let alone my brother doesn't talk that much anyway. But then to drop this, I was like, what? Like, it was a mixture of being real confused and honestly more confused than hurt. And I want to say this real quick, too, because he was all about, you know, you're adopted. You're not my, my real brother. Just kind of lighten me up now. And I do have to preface real quick. If there are any adopted kids in this place, you are truly your sibling's sibling. And you are your parent's kid. And so don't get that twisted. But my brother dropped that. And I remember how confused and messed up. I felt. I look back now, and I remember that's truly the first time that I was labeled besides being Josh Olson. That was the first time that all of a sudden someone pinned a label on me saying, you are adopted. And honestly, man, like the things I was saying to my brother, I was labeling him left and right. Like it was just not a good time. It was a very, very painful experience all around for both my brother and myself. But this was the first time that I was actually worldly labeled. So at five years old, I started second-guessing my life, who I was, questioning my importance as a person because of this label. 
I remember talking to my parents about being adopted and through that whole process starting to question what why was I given away and, and should I even have been born? And just it was a very dark path. At five years old, this label took me down a very dark road. And I started having these terrible self-esteem issues. And honestly, it grew to a place that I felt like, okay, well, if, if I'm not supposed to be wanted, I got to make sure I'm, I'm excited all the time and loud all the time and get the attention however that needs to be because I need to feel like I matter because that label made me feel like I didn't. And since then, I've been labeled many things, not all bad, all right, but labeled nonetheless. I've been given uh, labels such as, uh, Josh, you're energetic, you're talkative, you're a DJ, a pastor, light-skinned, mixed-race, athletic, extremely good-looking. You know what I'm talking about. Like, it's, it's just it is what it is. But I'm 100% sure that everybody in this room has been labeled at least once in your entire life, okay? And again, maybe not a bad label, but a label nonetheless. Maybe you're a husband, a father a wife, a mother, a kid, a student. In this world, we like to label people by their skin color, maybe white, black, Hispanic, or another ethnicity. But we live in a world that loves to label. You ever think about that? Like, we just live in a world that loves to label people. And while labels might be true and help us think, they're not always good because they put us in a category. And that category and that, and that labeling can make us feel sometimes weird or hurt, question our lives. And so I went in and I decided, you know, what, is the, what does the world say, what does the world define label as, right? So the dictionary defines label as a classifying phrase, watch this, a classifying phrase or name applied to a person or thing, but this is what it adds in there, especially one that is inaccurate or restrictive. You catch that? Especially one that is inaccurate or restrictive. And that's the thing that's so dangerous about labels is that, is that there might be some truth to them. Like it might help us think and start to analyze our life a little bit and maybe put yourself in check. But that does not mean that you are the label. You understand? You, that doesn't make you the label. And someone here needs to hear that. You are not the label. Maybe you've been labeled this week, this last month. Maybe for your whole life you've been labeled something. You are not that label. And I want you to get that today. Because maybe you've been labeled before and it's really messed you up. You know, maybe people say stuff like, oh, he or she works way too much. They're a workaholic. Bam, labeled. They don't care about their family. Well, okay, okay, maybe, maybe they do work a lot. Maybe you got to rearrange some stuff in your life. But that doesn't mean that you don't care about your family or that doesn't make you a workaholic. Or even further, maybe, you know, he or she is always wearing the same hoodie. They must be poor because they can't afford clothes. Labeled. Maybe they're always on their phone. Oh, they must be antisocial. Labeled. But here's the thing. Maybe they're on their phone because they're going through some crazy stuff right now, and that's how they cope with it. Maybe they're wearing the same long sleeves because we don't know, but maybe they're going through stuff and they've been cutting, and they don't want people to see this, but they've been coming through an abusive home. We don't know, but we go ahead and label people all the time. We don't know. We got to be careful. We don't know this, but we got to be careful. We don't know their story or what's going on until you ask somebody, and so we cannot label people. Or maybe, here's one in this day and age, too, for just being real here in church and transparent. Oh, that's a black person, pants hanging down, hat to the back, all tatted up. They're probably a gangster and probably up to no good. I mean, if we can be transparent, that's, that's, what we, that's what we do, right? But we don't know. We don't know their story. But we're so quick to label people. I do it all the time. I'm not any better. But we live in a world that loves to label people. And here's the thing about negative labels, ladies and gentlemen. They're not from God at all. There's nothing biblical about the negative labels in this world. 
Labels are worldly things that categorize people and put people in a box. When God says, the only thing I see is a child of God. Labels finish people's stories. And last time I checked, God's the only person that knows our story. God's the only person that knows the beginning, middle, and end of our story. So here's what I want to do. I want to jump back to this text because the story of Zacchaeus has a meaning. Not only do I love this story, but I just felt like this was something that the Lord was putting on my heart. So I want you all to, we're going to dive into this, this, this story, this text, and we're going to break it down. And I want you to see how God works. I want you to see what Jesus does. So check this out. Starting again in chapter 19. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of, there we go, and he was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Right away, boom, Zacchaeus was labeled, okay? Zacchaeus was living the good life, the good life, all right? He had everything he ever wanted, the worldly things. He had the money, probably all the honeys, all the cars and the Jordans, or at that time, maybe all the different breeds of camels and sandals. I don't know what was going on back then. But he was living large. And this dude was so rich that the Bible made sure that he put this in the story, right? They said he was wealthy, okay? So obviously, he was living the dream. But the Bible thought it was important to make sure that was in the story. Now, the problem with Zacchaeus is, if you don't know the background of the story, is the way that he got his wealthy status was because he was a chief tax collector and he would cheat people out of their money, all right? So not only was he living the high life and things were good in his mind, but the only reason he was rich is because he cheated people of money, so he was not many people's favorite person. And back then, tax collectors were not most liked by the people there. Maybe even now, too, if you're a tax collector or work for the IRS, bless your heart, all right? But, but we, for the longest time, this guy was just not loved by people. And he was a chief tax collector, so he was up there. And he was wealthy. And the world and the Bible even labeled this moment here and now. But he had a lot of haters. People did not like Zacchaeus. He was not everyone's favorite person. So I want you to see this here. Verse 3 says this. He wanted to see who this Jesus was. Pause for a second. He wanted to see who this Jesus was, even though he had everything. He wanted to see who this Jesus was. But because he was so short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead, climbed a sycamore tree just to see him since Jesus was coming that way. Boom. Labeled again as short. Anyone grow up hearing Zacchaeus was a wee little man song? Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a wee... How did the song God do him dirty like that? They said, we little man twice. Like this man had the label, not only being wealthy and a chief tax collector, but he was short. We know Zacchaeus for being a short man. So again, labeled again. And I love it. Again, the Bible doesn't just put things in there just to put them in there. Like obviously there was importance to this. Like the Bible thought, okay, yeah, we got to make sure the world knows that he is short. So I want you to picture what's happening, what's actually going on. This guy who has this baller status that's living the high life, all of a sudden hears about this Jesus that's coming into town, and something moves him to do something so weird and drastic to climb a tree just to see who this Jesus was. Like, that's weird. Like, people in that status don't just be like, oh, I'm going to go climb a tree today. Like, it's not a normal thing. Like, it was an embarrassing thing for him, but he somehow thought and knew that he had to see who this Jesus was. When I, meet, when I read this story over and over, I feel like there's just something stirring in Zacchaeus' heart. That, yeah, I might have this, 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 and this, but something's missing. Something's missing. I feel empty at some level, and I have to see who this Jesus is, even if I have to look like a fool and climb a tree. But there's something pushing him to see Jesus. 
So when Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him in gladly. I want you to notice Jesus didn't look at Zacchaeus and say, hey, you little guy in a tree. He didn't say, oh, hey, you, tax collector. No, he calls him by his name. He doesn't use the labels that the world labels him as. He calls him as his name. You know how unbelievable that would be? Zacchaeus, Josh, Eric, you know, whatever. Like, he just knew who he was. And Jesus knows you by your name. He doesn't know you by your worldly status or your worldly labels. He knows you by your name. So Jesus calls him down and he decides to go hang out with him, all right? And I love this because out of all the people, Jesus, Jesus chose Zacchaeus. Why is that? Out of all the people in that town, he chose Zacchaeus. I like to think that Zacchaeus really needed to hear the truth. I like to think that Zacchaeus really needed to know who this Jesus was. Over all else, he needed to know the truth. So watch this. The story goes on and more labels begin to happen. All the people saw this, saw that Jesus was hanging out with Zacchaeus, and so they all started to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner, labeled again. But Zacchaeus then stood up and said, Lord, look, here and now I give half my possessions to the poor, and if I've cheated anybody out of anything, I'll pay back four times the amount. What? You know how drastic this is, guys? Like, this is crazy. Like, all of a sudden, this crazy life change happens. Like, this is unbelievable. Like, I would love to be a fly in the room at this moment. Because everyone's hating on this man. Everyone's all tense. Like, what's going to happen, right? And all of a sudden, Zacchaeus' life changed just like that. And I love what the Bible does. It doesn't tell us what conversation Zacchaeus and Jesus had. It doesn't say what Jesus said to Zacchaeus during that time. But what if... Just spending time with the truth can change your life. What if just spending time? You think if the Bible is going to put in that he was wealthy, a chief tax collector, and short, then maybe we should know what they said. What if just spending time with the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ is enough to change your life? Maybe that's for you today. Maybe you're someone who just needs to spend some time with Jesus. That can change your life drastically just like it did in Zacchaeus' life. But we do know this. We do know this. After Zacchaeus has his crazy life change, he says, uh, then God says these words. Jesus says these words. He says to him, today, someone say today. Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. I hope you understand the, the hugeness of this. For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. Zacchaeus had been labeled his whole entire life. And this was the first time in his life that he heard the truth about who he really was. He was a son of Abraham. In other words, he was, a, he was a child of God, and he mattered. Jesus knew all the stuff that Zacchaeus had gone through. He knew all the things that Zacchaeus did, all the bad things and how he cheated everybody and how everyone hated him. He knew that. But I want you all to catch this again. Jesus is way more concerned about your salvation than your status. He does not care what the world says about you. He says, you are a child of mine, and I care about your salvation. I don't care how the world puts you in a box or says that you're at this status or this status or this status. That doesn't matter to me because I came to seek and save the lost. So as you can see in this story, that Zacchaeus is a child of God, and that matters more than anything else. And I believe that's what drove Zacchaeus to make this tra crazy life change. For the first time in his life, he hears truth. And when you hear the truth of God, when you hear God call you by your name, you can't do anything but change your life. It drives you to do crazy things. 
And so again, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know what you've been going through. No matter what you've done, no matter what you're doing, what you're ever going to do, God loves you. He cares about you, and you matter. There's way more power and truth in what God says than what the world says about you. There's a lot more power and truth in what God says about you than what the world says about you. You're a child of God. Worship team, you guys can come back up. I'm going to wrap this thing up. As I mentioned earlier, I, I, I love my family so much. God has, God has blessed me with an absolutely gorgeous wife, and uh, she puts up with all my shenanigans all the time. And uh, we have two kids now, and we have, you know, my son Paxton, who's a little over three years old, and, and, and my daughter, who's a little over two months, and, uh, and Kinsley. And, uh, man, any parents out there, parents? Okay. Um, it's crazy. It's just, it's crazy, all right? And, I, and I'm only a parent of two for, you know, three-plus years. And um, it's, been, it's, been, it's been a trip. It's been a trip, especially with two. Um, bless your hearts with one kid. They're beautiful, wonderful. When you have two, it changes a lot. <laughs> when you have more than two, you need Jesus more than anybody. Bless your hearts. Um, but, uh, you know, honestly, like having my kids, they're pretty much perfect. You know, they never do anything wrong and uh, never cry or push me to an edge. or uh, You know, always respectful and perfect in every single way, of course, because, you know, that's real. But, uh, no, obviously, they're, they're kids, and, and, they, and they drive me to do some crazy things sometimes. <laughs> like, they push me to the edge. Which I didn't know, you know, a, a two-month-old could make me, like, that upset. Like, again, I'm just being honest, right? Um, but it's going to get harder. I know there's going to be moments. As much as I love being a youth pastor, it's going to be a lot different parenting my kids than being your kids' youth pastor. Because they have to go home to you. <laughs> so it's a, I can do, the, you know, whatever I need to do. But my kids are my own kids. And there are going to be times when my son... Starts to talk back even more. We're in this we're in this season right now, where he's learned the word "why," uh, and I don't know where he learned the word "why." Probably from the world or Nickelodeon. And um, anytime I say anything, he just his first response naturally is just "why." Like it's 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 not even like it's just subconscious. So why? I'm like, boy, you don't say why. <laughs> like just do it, right? <laughs> don't run out on the road. Why? Just don't run in the road. Like you know what I mean? And there's gonna come a time when my daughter, uh, man, that's that's a total different relationship there. Because I just want to let her do whatever she wants. And you can have all my money. You know. Um, but my daughter is going to be a little bit more, you know, she's going to push back. And there's going to be things more than just grunting and diapers. It's going to be a moment where she might push me to an edge. But I know this. That no matter what my kids do, no matter what happens, they will always be my children. And yes, we named them Paxton and Kinsley. And as they grow up, they're going to start to living a life and be labeled by the world and even maybe by my wife and myself. But their importance is not in their label. They will always be my kids. And there's nothing, there's nothing my kids will ever do that will make them not my kids. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. They can push you to the edge, but they're still your kids. My daughter cannot, like, decide not to sleep. I'm like, kids, you gotta go to sleep because daddy needs to sleep. But then she just looks at me, and I'm like, ah, no, it's okay, I love you. You know, like, there's this, there's this dividing line that my kids will always be my kids. They will be my children. Whether you're a parent or not, every single person in this room is a son or daughter of the Most High. You are a child of God. And I believe that that's how we fight and overcome the power of labels. 
You got to fight it through the truth, through Jesus and the word of God. I encourage you, even in this time right now, if you've been labeled and you know there's just some things on your heart, like maybe for me, like I said, it was being adopted. Like, I had to work through that. I had to work through that. I met my birth family. They're on another level. I love them so much. This is too drastic. My adopted family, my, my birth family, they're just very different people. Um, and I've met them, and it's been an awesome experience. But through this time, I've realized, wow, like, it doesn't really matter why I was put up for adoption or what really happened or what my brother said way back then. I'm a child of God. And my life wouldn't be the same if God hadn't orchestrated my story. So you cannot let the world decide your story. The world doesn't know, nor did the world die for you and have that power over your life. So we have to fight that back with truth and with Jesus. Whether you believe it or not, whether you know him or not, whether you want him to or not, God calls you a child. He loves you. Again, no matter what you've done, doing, or ever going to do, there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God, from the title, the child of God. He loves you and does not see you as a label. And we need to overcome these labels by knowing what God says as opposed to what the world says. So we're going to go one more worship song. And as I was preparing for this week, I just, you know, I just felt like the Lord was just telling me, like, okay, you need to give time for this. Again, I want this as me talking to you. This is just as much for me as it is for you. Like, this is a thing we need to all remember. Church isn't just for those who come and hang out. This is a family. And we got to do family work. You know what I mean? I don't know if you grew up in the family where your parents would sit you down by your siblings and hash things out until, you know, someone says, I'm sorry and I forgive you. And then you can finally leave the table. That was my family. So I want, I want some work to be done in this place. I want to give God the room and the space that he deserves. So we're going to end today with a song called Who You Say I Am. And I truly believe in this song, there's a lot of truth that you need to hear today. When I'm a, as, as a youth pastor, when we go into worship time, I always encourage my students to not just sing the song because you know the song or just sing the words because they're up on the screen, but to really think about what's going on and what you're saying. Really think about the words that you're singing or reading, really being about them. So real quick, I wanted to just read these words of this song so you can understand the beauty of what's going on. There's a part of it that says, Who the sun sets free is free indeed. I am a child of God. Watch this, it keeps going. It says, In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I am a child of God. I love this part. It says, I am chosen. That's what Jesus says. But the world says, you're forsaken. So it says, I am chosen, not forsaken. I am who you say I am. You are for me, not against me. I am who you say I am. Mosaic Church, I believe that we need to live lives that walk that out. That we believe that we are who God says we are. And that that's the only thing that matters. That will change your life. That will change your families. That will change your relationships. If you truly dive into what God calls you to be, a child of God. Would you stand with me? I would love to just pray over you guys. And then again, just engage in this time, however you need to, before we go. We're going to dive into a time of offering as well. And I just believe that whether it's our financial side or our voices, or our lives. That's an offering to Jesus. It's all worship. It's all worship. 
So maybe during this time, you need to just get on your knees and do some work with Jesus. Maybe you don't need to sing these words. You need to sit there and soak. Maybe you need to lift your hands for the very first time. You're like, I don't really know what to do, but I'm just going to do it. Whatever you need to do, I encourage you to do it now. Don't let this just be another Sunday that you just show up and leave. We ended with plenty of time to get back for kickoff, all right? You'll be just fine. Take these moments to dive into what the Lord has for you. Don't leave this place with the labels you came in with, but instead be motivated and encouraged to drop those labels off and know what God says about you. Jesus, we love you so much. We take this time just to worship you and come before the throne. God, you are so worthy and so wonderful. God, thank you for loving us the way you do. Lord, we apologize when we live our lives by the labels that this world has given us. It is so hard not to. But God, that's why you've given us the truth in your word. God, I ask that as a church, as a family, we dive into that truth today and know that we can over overcome these labels by the power of God, knowing that we are children of God. Jesus, we love you. We worship you. And everybody said, amen. Let's worship. Come on.